0: Hey everyone, today I have Mike Giovanni. I have known Mike uh, for a long time, in fact. I, I would say through my whole digital advertising career. Mike currently is the SVP of Decision Sciences at Reprise Digital. I'll let Mike introduce himself and give a deeper depth of who he is. And then we can go through our set of questions and deep dive into the realm of marketing and marketing analytics. So take it away, Mike.
1: Yeah, hey Akash. Um, so I'm I'm the SVP of Decision Sciences, Product and Operations um, at Reprise Digital. So I don't oversee all of Decision Sciences, but um, yeah, I've got my my specialty focus area. And um, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, for sure. So Mike, when we were discussing about getting you on board, one of the, the topics that you had mentioned, and that one of the topics that you had deep dove into, was data clean rooms and then uh, just deep diving into that and studying a bit of data clean rooms. I actually wanted to ask, start off with a really basic question. What is a data clean room?
1: So um, it, basically it's, it's, a, it's a safe environment where, um, where brands can um, access data that they can use for advanced analytics um, they can collaborate with data in a very um, privacy-safe, controlled environment, um, and it's a kind of a, a controlled ecosystem where there are um, privacy settings and um, a lot of features that make it so that the analysis and data collaboration is very powerful, but it's also um, very safe for brands and users because the um, the limitations of of how data can be extracted are, you know, very well controlled. So you're you're only looking at aggregated outputs. You're never looking at anything at a user level. So you, you don't have to worry about um, handling unsafe data. Got it,
0: got it. So that being said, um, how does a data clean room work?
1: Um, well, it, it varies on the type. So there are, you know, some types where again it's an environment where um, two partners can collaborate on data um, or collaborate with data so they'll they'll you know each bring their own data sets to the environment and the data is um, you know joined for analysis that way and they can be brands they can be sub brands within the same co- same company and so on um, then there are the data clean rooms that are offered, by the walled gardens like Google, Facebook, and Amazon, where um, they'll share, they'll make the customer level data available for analysis for brands um, with again, privacy restrictions and controlled settings so that you're looking at aggregated outputs, but within the clean room, you have flexibility to, to do analysis that's more sophisticated than what you would normally get out of a reporting platform. Got it.
0: So could you give me an example of how you guys use this within your day-to-day or within a specific campaign or a set of campaigns or for a specific brand or a
1: client? Yeah, I mean, um, again, it, it, it varies quite a bit based on the advertiser, how sophisticated they are, you know, how much they spend, whether it's, um, you know, one of the, the Walled garden clean rooms or a collaboration with, with another brand. Um, but generally, they're for more advanced analysis than you're able to, to do with the standard aggregated data that you get out of reporting platforms. So attribution is, is a huge one. Um, so using some of the well-garden data clean rooms, um, you can do attribution that's more advanced than the, the standard um, outputs that you're able to get. And so they can start looking at, you know, more deeply at the um, the impact of different touch points on the final conversion. And you can customize it to, you know, however they want to look at their own data and their own touch points and how they want to value them uniquely. Um, you can also look deeper at audience performance and you can create your own audiences within them to understand, um, you know, based on behavioral triggers, different audience traits, um, you know, different um, triggers or signals that are available by the data provider, such as purchase activity um, or segments that they belong to by the data provider. And you can create different groups of users to identify, you know, where there are more or less valuable pockets of users that you would want to target and use to inform um, adjustments to your targeting strategy. Um, And then there are also different levers that you can, you can understand how you can pull those to affect your overall performance. Like looking at um, reach in different groups based on, you know, your, your campaigns, your sub tactics within campaigns, how you want to bundle your, your placements in your media um, activations to understand, you know, what your reach looks like against certain audiences. And then when, when your frequency looks like um, against certain audiences, and then you can start to dial in like your reach settings and your frequency caps um, against different marketing tactics and, and campaign tactics, um, and try to optimize your dollars, um, you know, as efficiently and effectively as you can within the platform.
0: Got it. So then, based on your your experience and what you've seen, which type of campaign do you think lands up being more suitable for data clean room?
1: Um, I mean, I, I think there are, there are options for all different types of campaigns. Um, how you use the data clean room would, would vary, you know, quite a bit. Um, and it kind of, it also depends on, um, your strategy if you're optimizing for efficiency or effectiveness, right? So, and if it's a, um, say upper versus lower funnel like if you're if you're optimizing for reach or if you're optimizing for conversion for example. so um, like there are if we're looking at reach and frequency um, thresholds for example, you know you can you can optimize for you can identify um, the point in your frequency um, distribution um, where you start to see declines in your return. And you might actually still see improvements in, in reach at that point, but your efficiency actually starts to fall off or your efficiency growth starts to fall off. So that would be an area where one brand who's just looking to, to optimize against straight efficiency, they would say, all right, I'm going to implement this frequency cap. Another brand that's going, you know, purely for a, um, a growth strategy, if it's, they're looking for, you know, new customer acquisition, for example, they might want to optimize for reach and they might want to look at the point where the reach growth really starts to fall off, which might actually be beyond where they see their optimal frequency threshold. So they're willing to, um, tolerate a little bit of that decreased efficiency because they're, they're getting more reach and that's ultimately their KPI.
0: Got it. So from what you're saying, it sounds like the CPG sector would be, would, would be a great spot where data clean rooms can be applied for compared to let's say the automotive sector because the sales cycle of an automotive sector is so much slower compared to the CPG sector. So the effectiveness of all the data sets that you can see or the data inputs or outputs that you can see from a data clean room is far more vast and far more effective
1: there yeah i mean cpg there's a ton of value there because there are a lot of signals that can be really useful um auto i think there would be very useful but you to your point like the customer life cycle is so much longer you're you're looking at um you're kind of pick, picking isolated um windows within the life cycle and you're just going to focus on on that and, and dive deeper for for cpg though yeah, since the the purchase behavior is so much more frequent, and um, there's a larger pool of of users to to be looking at, um, there's a ton of value. So you get a lot of signals around, you know, there's purchase frequency. You can look at um, purchase, you know, customer retention, um, you know, market basket analysis. Um, customers that are, that are brand hopping and just shopping based on price versus brand loyalists. Um, So those are all, you know, different segment groups and signals within, they have signals within them that you can use to kind of build these, these custom audience segments um, that you want to dive deeper into and, and do more of a custom analysis against to understand like where there's value, you know, isolating. All right. These, these, these shoppers who are, you know, less brand loyal and just dropping on price? What is it like, can I identify those triggers that are other than price that are causing them to, to move? Is it based on when they last saw a certain advertisement or when, when they saw um, an ad that was most relevant to what, what drives them to make purchase decisions and also closer to when they make that purchase decision? Um, or are there other signals that are more valuable and then based on what those signals are, How do I want to build tests into my media plan to try to, um, you know, to try to convert more of those audiences to to buy my product?
0: Got it. So from listening to what you're having to say, it sounds like uh, data clean rooms lands up being more centric to a specific platform. So that actually kind of dovetails into two questions that I have. One question is, what are the pros, cons, and risks of using a data clean room? and if my understanding is right does it land up becoming more centric to a specific type of platform so for example the data clean rooms lands up being specific to google data because which might be available through dv 360 and google ads and facebook data which might be available through like facebook uh, business ad manager so could you like dive a bit deeper into like the both the aspects of the question
1: sure um so the pros i mean it, there's a a ton of value um, in kind of harnessing um, the power of the data that that brands aren't able to when they're working with standard platform data. Um, you know, the some of the challenges with it are there's costs associated. There, you know, there are resource requirements. You know, you have to have the people to be able to do the analysis. Um, you have to have people. With <laughs> People to do the analysis, but also people with with the skills required, the technical skills yeah. required. So you you got to have the right the right technical resources, um, and you know a, a lot of a lot of companies are trying to operate lean now. So so getting the resources that are available and have the skills and the bandwidth can be challenging. Um, but if you prioritize it, then there's a lot of value to be had. It also you know makes sense to go into it with the mindset of um, you know, operating, trying to maximize your, your media dollars and trying to operate a lot more intelligently and and being, uh, willing to test and to optimize and, you know, be more adaptive and fluid with your data, um, and try things and be able to say like, yeah, they worked. Okay. Let's go on from there, try more or, or add those to our normal media strategy, or if they didn't then learn that, um that can inform the next test. So, um, you know, it is a different approach, a different mindset Um, in terms of the types of data clean rooms and, you know, being platform specific. Yeah. That, that can be, that could be a challenge. I mean, you could, you could use just the Google's like as data hub, AMC, Facebook um, in isolation and just look at it as, all right, I'm going to, within each of these ecosystems, I'm going to optimize my media dollars as much as I possibly can. Um, And like, that'll be, that'll be the extent to which I take it. And, and that's, you know, further than probably a lot of other, other brands. Um, But there are ways, I mean, you can, you can also like, some large brands are creating their own data clean rooms where they'll build out their first party data sets to a point where they can start to try to look, um, across, you know, all the touch points, um, across all, all the the different platforms where they advertise, um, and see everything holistically. And that's ideally whatever, the type of data that, that everybody would like to have. It's, it's really challenging to get to that point and it's costly and it's labor intensive and it takes a commitment and, you know, developing a plan that you need to stick to for
0: yeah.
1: a while, <laughs> which, um, you know, is just requires, you know, discipline and confidence in your strategy, but there's a lot of value to it as well. Um, but people change, you know, everything moves and changes so quickly these days. Sometimes it's it's a little bit uncomfortable to go with an approach like that.
0: So what's the biggest con in all of this? The one of the biggest cons that I could see, is, at least from an outsider standpoint of view is, using all these data sets so let's say like you have ad data hub you have facebook's ecosystem of data sets and then you have let's say another third party so just getting all of them into an in-house data set becomes complicated and then i feel like also having that structure or that specific structure also plays a bunch of complications too uh based on different campaigns different uh, strategy types too
1: um to try to get everything into a single environment
0: yeah into a single uniform environment which i think like let's say reprise or any larger agency would be would be focusing on right trying to have all those data sets into one specific hub so that then they can tackle uh they can tackle a specific campaign's problem so let's say if it's a prospecting campaign and if they have all that data in one hub then it becomes easier to tackle rather than having four different data clean rooms or three different data clean rooms this is what I'm understanding. If I'm correct or wrong,
1: um, okay. And sorry, you're saying the con of of just focusing on the individual wall yeah, garden clean rooms would be limiting versus putting everything together.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel that like having everything grouped together is far more easier than having like three different wall garden uh, data clean rooms. If that's, if my understanding is correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, ideally, everything's together, um, and it's not like we – that's not something that um, – I mean, there are, of course, data solutions that the different advertising companies and holding companies offer, um, but in terms of clients, I mean, it's it's a brand-by-brand strategy, um, you know, so it's, it's not necessarily, like, the way – we go to market versus don't. So from a brand, if it's, if it's our clients, um, yes, if you can have everything together all in one, I mean, that's, that's great. And right. You can look at your attribution across your entire ecosystem, all, all touch points, all platforms. That's really, really challenging and more and more challenging, you know, nowadays with the, like, Cookie deprecation, everything that that's going on that we know about. Um, so it's again, it's going to be certain types of brands that are able to do that that have the the that have the data, that have the the funding, the resources to to take an approach like that. Um, if if brands can't for whatever reason, then at least looking and being more intelligent within the individual ecosystems is is more valuable than not, you know? Um, And there are ways with, you know, through analysis, um, you know, to try to piece together insights. If you have consistent audience segmentation strategy, I mean, the signals would vary based on the platform you're working within, but, you know, um, you can still conduct an analysis, not maybe with unified data, but based on understanding how audiences um, perform, in each of the different environments, you understand what the signals are. Um, you know, you can conduct an analysis to understand, you know, maybe where there's um, greater value or less value for certain types of audiences. And then, you know, this is where like advanced testing plans start to come into play to try to figure out like, all right, if I can't connect all the data points, I can maybe operate tests in these different environments and based on how the, um, the results vary, that'll give me additional information to try to piece together, um, you know, how these audiences are, you know, reacting differently across the different environments based on um, changes in my media strategy.
0: Got it, got it. So talking with data community rooms, one of the questions that I had in mind was, what is the difference between the CDP Versus a data clean
1: room. Um, so, a CDP is um, is more of a first party environment where where a brand can um, can collect and store all of their their own first party data, um, all their user level data, you know, together. Um, normalize everything against a, a common set of IDs um, and basically build out like the full user cross-platform, you know, however many platforms you, you're able to bring in there, um, data set for an individual brand so you can kind of see um, everything together. Whereas the, the data clean room is, is more the environment for um, analysis, collaboration, um, it could be a place where, like the CDP is where you, you prep your own data to, um, to then move to a partnership and analysis in a data clean room with another, another brand or, um, or platform. Um, because if you want to upload your own data or, or um, bring your own data to a data clean room, to get the most value out of it, it has to be structured in a way where you have the signals where it can it can be joined to the the other collaborative data that's in the data clean room. Um, it's all in an anonymized way, but you know if you want to look at um, aggregated outputs based on user level data, then they've have to be linked in some kind of way. So you know um, the data again, like if it's prepped properly in a CDP in advance, then you have the ability to do that. Otherwise, it's going to be aggregated already within the data clean room um, and then you're aggregating it even further in the analysis and it, it might be a little bit more diluted. Got it. Got it.
0: Yeah, I should have mentioned the CDP basically stands for customer data platform. So I always forget. I always use acronyms and that's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the bad effect of being in advertising. There's so many of
1: them all acronyms. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I think then comes the next couple of questions, which I had based on our discussion so far, like what are the companies that are offering data clean rooms? I know that you mentioned Google one, and then you mentioned a couple other, but like who, who else is the larger player in this ecosystem?
1: Um, yeah, so, I mean, other than the walled garden data clean rooms, again, like Data yeah, Hub, AMC, Facebook's, there, there's Snowflake, AWS has um, clean room solution. Um, LiveRamp, I mean, there, there are um, a lot of good options, and they offer different capabilities. It, you know, it depends on where brands have their data, what environment they have their data in, what partners they're, um, you know, used to or comfortable working with, um, or if if there, if it's a collaborative um, agreement where the, the partner that they're collaborating with has a preferred environment. Um, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of options nowadays.
0: Got it. Got it. So, yeah, I mean, this conversation basically gives me at least an understanding of what data clean rooms are and, and what does it represent and like what different agencies, brands can implement it. Um, my final question is, do you have any parting thoughts, uh, any questions that I did not ask or any points that I should have focused on that you would like to share with the people out there?
1: Um, no, I, I, I think this is great. I think, um, you know, the things we talked about are, are, are helpful and there's so much like, you know, data cleaners is a, it's a topic where, because there are different types, different partners, there's so much information. Um, I know, you know, for some people it can be overwhelming. Um, but, there are a lot of experts out there who are very knowledgeable and, and happy to, you know, explain these things. Like I'm, I'm on the, again, the, the product operation side. So I'm not like, I'm not an engineer. I'm not on the technical side. We have those, those people who are super, super smart. And, um, the more I learn about these things, the more I have questions. And anytime I, I have questions and talk to them, it's always very enlightening. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I would say if, if anyone's interested, talk to, to the experts and, and ask questions and, it, you know, that starts to shed a lot of light and, and, um, and the more you learn, it, it sort sort of demystifies demyst- everything and, and, uh, you know, gives you a little bit better idea of where you want to look for the certain type of information that you need, the answers that you need. And, um, yeah eventually you have enough understanding to say like here's how i would get started or here's how i'd re- recommend getting started and um and then from there it's off to the races and it can be got it really really powerful
0: got it mike appreciate your time this has been awesome
1: yeah once again thanks for having me gosh yeah take care